Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I think that was the biggest factor that I found the hardest to deal with, to just be normal with him, but with this massive sense of panic. I don't know what's normal when you're sitting watching him get chemo. Like, what's normal when he's so sick and you're just, you know, you got to nip over and get the, the L steroids. Welcome to Grief Encounters with me, Sasha Hamrog. And I'm Venetia Quick. We're a weekly podcast that looks at an issue that affects us all and yet remains so difficult to talk about. We'll be chatting to guests from all walks of life on the subject of death and all that comes with it. Our main aim is to motivate, comfort and create a modern space for people to share their own experiences. Could you think of someone that could benefit in listening? Tell them about Grief Encounters out every single Tuesday. Today on Grief Encounters, we were delighted to meet Lisa Collins, author of the book, The Man Who Moved a Nation, A Daughter's Story, which chronicled the final months of her father, Jerry's life. Um, I think we all remember uh, her dad's mm. face from the from the ads, obviously, and we talk so much about She looks so that. like him as well. Oh my <laughs> God, she image. looks so yeah. much like him. Um, so it was really great to hear from her, like to hear her voice. Obviously, we, we read her book and we were able to kind of hear about the journey they went through when mm. her dad was diagnosed with lung cancer and how he decided to do something with his final months that most people don't mm. get the opportunity or might not even imagine doing something so big um, but but he did and it's 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 helped an awful lot of people since yeah I think it because it, with the campaign really captured the imagination of mm. a lot of people but what I thought from my point of view that was so interesting was the whole stigma mm. associated with smoking and because we know of the research yeah. from um, Marie Keating about the one in ten people think that lung cancer uh, patients deserve to yeah. get cancer, which to me is just the most moronic yeah. uh, idea ever. But um, it was interesting to hear from Lisa that the stigma she felt because yeah. of her dad having lung cancer and being a former smoker or whatever. So it is, it just shows that it yeah. is there. And I wonder, I mean, it's five years since her dad passed away. So things haven't moved on no. in that respect since yeah. then. So maybe that's a conversation we still need to be having. It is because, I mean, look at all of us. In All of us, when we sat down, all of us had been deeply affected by lung mm. cancer, but all in completely different ways. Yeah, so no, it, absolutely. You know, not yeah. each person that we lost wasn't heavy smoker. But there's, there's, a, a, but there's not a stereotypical yeah, lung cancer point. patient. Yeah. But I people think, think there is, um, yeah. just like you said. And um, I think what Lisa talked about with the fact that her dad had consciously taken 10 years to stay off cigarettes and to change his life and he was living a really healthy life and then to be diagnosed with it it's a very difficult thing um, to think about your mistakes of the past but I think you're right I think that's a conversation we need to keep having is to destigmatize it because I know with my mom um, she smoked 
uh, till mm. the end. And um, and I really, I was really angry when people were kind of talking about that around her mm. death. You know, it was kind of like. But I, it doesn't. I mean, and, yeah. you know, it doesn't. You've got to remember there was a time when you could smoke in maternity hospitals. Yeah. People smoked all the time, yeah. and whether you do or not, like we have no idea why some people smoke. We've no idea why people overeat. We've no idea why people drink too much. Why do some people not do any exercise? Why do people Mm. eat too much sugar? You cannot turn around and say to people, oh, you shouldn't do that because, Mm. you know, or you got that because you don't know. Yeah. You know. And and I think one of the things that I I, um, actually uh, listened to on a podcast was a girl was talking about the fact that her uh, father had died and he had done everything right. Mm. He exercises yeah, you his see, whole life, yeah. and, you know, so, so it can be, uh, you know, no matter what you kind of think, it can happen to anybody. And that's mm. what we're definitely learning by talking to people who have experienced all different kinds of loss. But Lisa, it was a really great conversation. It was great to know more about her and her dad. Yeah. yeah. Lisa Collins' dad, Jerry, became a household name in 2014, but not really for the reasons that I think any family would want. Jerry became the face of an extraordinarily emotive HSE advertising campaign which aimed at getting people to stop smoking for good. Jerry was an ex-smoker. He was living with terminal cancer and recorded the campaign just shortly before he died. Now, five years on um, from Jerry passing away, we're very happy to be speaking to Jerry's daughter and the author of The Man Who Moved a Nation, A Daughter's Story. Lisa, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me in. Obviously, since your dad passed away five years ago, you've written the book. It's based on how he struck a chord with nearly everybody in the country. There wasn't one person who didn't know what seemed like overnight who Jerry Collins was. How yeah. did that affect him? How did that affect you? Um, yeah, first of all, it was a weird thing and unexpected. And to be honest, when the first ad was launched, it was the end of December. And the second ad was launched end of January. And then the third was actually launched on the day of his funeral. So that's just the way it panned out. So he never really got to see the The full impact because it it just really happened, you know, progressively over the following months and then Mm. the the year after um, that. Yeah. And I mean, you talk in the book about the first time you guys saw the ad Mm. Um, and I thought what was really powerful was how your family dealt with it differently Um, that's something that when we talk about grief that hasn't really come up yet on the podcast but is so important to talk about is that not everyone is going to process the emotions the same way and I know Mm -hmm. that you were talking about how it was sort of different Mm -hmm. what was it like as a family to kind of get behind the fact that he was doing this because not everyone is going to be on the same page about something so big yeah I think um, you know that's so true I mean at times it was Sometimes it was easier than others to just allow people to be, mm. you know, where they were at a particular point in that really difficult situation. And yeah. um, because you, you know, you're naturally sort of going to think, well, why aren't you thinking like me right now? Why mm. aren't you doing what I want you to do? Because this would be better because I, you know, because yeah. you're coming from your own place. Um, and I think just having a small bit of awareness around that gives a little bit of it helps to kind of go take a step back and not, you know, take the head off someone in a moment. Do you know what I mean? Because it's a very heightened situation. And I think the other side of that then is the grief side. It's the same kind of thing. You know, you're dealing, mm. first of all, we were dealing with the, the illness and the impending. Mm. Um, I suppose uh, we knew that he was he was going to die. And then it was the other side of it was the grief. And you kind of, it's the same 
but the other side, yeah. you know, and allowing. Something, I suppose somewhat um, comforting that you will always, you will have that now. You have him on film. You have him on tape. He, you know, he will yeah. always be there. Yeah. Um, from that point of view and that's something that a lot of people wouldn't have either. I know and it's great mm. and I don't under for a second ever not really see the, the, the value of that and mm. how, how lucky we were. Um, I got a lovely email from a guy down in Kilkenny not long after dad died and he wrote this lovely email and he was saying about his own mom and but at the end he said you know I'm sure the pride helps with the pain oh. when he was talking to me mm. and I was like do you know what it does yeah it really does that and is I just such, that a, was, that's such yeah. a great way yeah. of putting it because he's done so much for people I can imagine a lot of people have quit smoking um, just from what your dad did yeah. and probably saved lives in turn, which is a, <laughs> it's pretty hard really to quantify how important that is. Um, yeah. Venetia, we've all been affected by lung cancer in this room. Mm. Um, so we all know a little bit about how truly mm. difficult it is. And I think the thing that you talk about is how hard it was mm. for someone to be sick that you love. And yeah. um, sometimes yeah. I think part of the reason we wanted to have this podcast was that people shy away from talking about how hard these things are mm. or they feel as though they have to be str- they have to mm. say that they're strong or positive positive yeah <laughs> our favorite yeah. word um, are you glad that you kind of came out in the book and, and yourself and in, in interviews to talk about that how difficult it really was yeah I am um, I felt like I really needed to say what it was like because it was so immense and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do and and the other side of it with the grief was also like a whole crazy, tr- like crazy time, you yeah. know. And although I didn't really write about that, I just felt, yeah, everything that happens in a family with lung cancer, you know, the ending isn't going to be good. Mm. And you have to deal with that. And your life is pushing you forward, well, dragging you forward. And you're trying to push back because you just want to stay because their life has stopped. Uh, but you've got responsibilities that you still have to tend to. You still have to go to work. You still have to make money. You still have to feed yeah. yourself. You still have to, you know, be there. And yet all you want to do is just sit with them and be there mm. with them. And that's, I think, when you the know, hardest things afterwards is that do keep on going while they're sick because you have to. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no finite, oh, it's going to be the 11th of February 2018. There's no date that you know they're going to go. Mm. So it could happen in a month or five months Mm. or six months so it's sort of like this um, this limbo Mm. so there's nothing you can do but you have to keep going and then when they're gone did you have that immediate afterwards well why didn't I just take a break from work Mm. and stay at home for that month or why didn't I you know not work as much because you can't help but ask yourself those questions but of course you can't do them so there's that huge conflict totally makes sense I do I totally totally makes Mm. sense and I think some of that I think some of that is a bit of self-harm like that you can kind of go Mm. there afterwards and blame yourself and stuff you know and that's kind of easier because it's easier if it's you to deal with it well for me anyway I you know when I look at that side of things and I'm like oh god why did why wasn't I there and I remember my dad catching me and saying stop that Mm. because Mm. you're going to do that when I'm gone Mm. you're going to keep doing that if you don't stop Mm. and just say I've done enough like you have to look at what you're doing and mm. think I've done my best or else it's just so hard isn't it how, sorry, I was going to ask you about how from the immediate day of diagnosis mm. how do you think it changed you or your relationship with your dad from whence, from when you first got the we're told 
that he has cancer or he told you he's cancer. Because mm. it changes mm. everybody and it changes, I think it does change your relationship mm. in a lot of ways, whether it's husband and wife or father and daughter or yeah. friend. Do you think that's probably the strain of it as well, mm. I think, um, on on everybody. Mm. Um, how to change our relationship? I don't know. I felt a more sense of panic in my relationship with him at that time. To, mm. And like you were saying, you know, to get in all those mm. things mm. and to do. And I think that was the biggest um, factor that I found the hardest to deal with, to just be normal, but with this massive sense of panic around and just be normal with him, mm. you know, and just, I don't know, what's mm. normal when you're sitting watching him get chemo? Yeah. Like, what's normal when he's so sick and you're mm. just, you know, you got to nip over and get the, the old steroids? Mm. I don't know. It's yeah, just, you know, no I think it was, it's, yeah, so it's like, yeah, so sort of like a, you're a thrust strange into this world. thing that no. you don't really know what it is, whether it's real, whether it's not real. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for a safe haven to express how you feel, share articles, photos, and memories of your loved ones, join the Grief Encounters Facebook group, a place for support, compassion, and empathy for those grieving. You were talking about how grief is so crazy, and that's such a good word because it is really crazy, and so many unexpected things that we don't expect to happen and I don't know if this is the case for you so I wanted to ask you a little bit about it but my my mom uh, was a heavy smoker and she died of lung cancer and my dad wasn't a heavy smoker and he died of lung cancer um, he was he smoked when he was younger but he hadn't smoked for a very mm. long time where my mom smoked uh, pretty close up to her death and one of the things that I found very surprising because I was so close with both of them was that I was quite angry with them for the years that they smoked mm. later on um, mm. in my grief mm. and I didn't know where to put it because smoking is such a powerful addiction so there's empathy and there's compassion for that. 
but at the same time I was also like you'd still be here yeah. and you'd have met my my daughter and mm. you know uh, did but you ever genetic as well yeah so, so you don't you know them, so. and exactly yeah. you do know people who do smoke and live and live to be older but did you ever go through a phase of being angry about the the smoking at all yeah, a little bit. But you see, I think as he'd been off them for mm. 10 years and I saw him really try and create a whole new healthy lifestyle for himself. Yeah. I was like, he's going to put in the yeah. the effort there. So yeah. it kind of felt like and he'd had um, a, a throat cancer Yeah, a few years before that. So I felt like he'd had his, yeah. you know, so when yeah. this happened, I was like, OK, that's just a bit harsh. Yeah. You know, and was, the pictures of your dad, he was he did like he was he looked so healthy in those 10 years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he really was. did kind of um, make that huge effort to change his life, which can be so hard after smoking. Yeah. And so that's his age, like it was later in life to change, yeah. is, you know, and I thought, yeah, fair play. Can I just ask you about that? Because if we're having this conversation about the like obviously lung cancer people always go smoking straight away and I was involved with um, the Marie Keating Foundation and they had um, a, a campaign before Christmas about the stigma surrounding uh, one in ten people think lung cancer patients deserve to die basically mm. um, not withstanding the other um, factors of passive smoking or um, genetics or what have you mm-hmm. um, did you feel that you got that stigma from people? Do you think there was an element that people felt your dad, well, you know, he was a smoker, he sort of deserved that? Yeah, yeah, there was a bit of that for sure. How did that make you feel? Again, I could understand what they were saying. Mm. Um, He had been off them for 10 years, but let's say he hadn't. Mm. Does he still deserve mm. to get a death sentence? Mm. No. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just seemed like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I know, it feels yeah. like you've been irresponsible with your, yeah. with your health. And so you've probably contributed to your early death, most likely, if it's yeah. smoking. I mean, it's proved to to yeah. do that so you know it is completely well, no, but continue, have you been reckless yeah. you know but, but having said that do they deserve yeah. to die well, and, and then be like pointed no. at and no. gone look yeah. I think you know. it's my mom used mm. to say something amazing she had so much spirit and was just such an incredible person she was such a strong amazing woman but whenever anyone would come up to her when she was smoking I'm not advocating smoking I'm far from it um, but whenever anyone would come up to her and smoke, and say something to her about her smoking she'd say what's your thing yeah but mm. this, is, <laughs> yeah. this is the thing and this so is true. the what thing sugar but there you go sugar drinking overeating (coughs) lack of exercise sun you know there's so many contributions to stress to cancer that you cannot I don't think pinpoint and nobody turns around if somebody gets a different form of cancer goes oh well you're too many pints or you know and Mm. so I think that needs to be put to bed really that whole um, it's harsh writing your book Mm. and putting your thoughts down on paper and getting it published everybody has different things they do Mm. I think when people die to get rid of it as Mm. a survival process Mm. whether it's writing articles or doing campaigns or whatever it is there's there's something you do setting up a website or podcast (laughs) (laughs) but there is something that's your therapy that's your way of dealing with it when did you sit down and go I'm putting this down on paper it was actually a year after he died and I I actually still wasn't feeling very well in myself. I was mm. still 
grieving deeply. And I was going to LA with my boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. my now husband. And we had been doing long distance for that year because I met him just as my dad was dying. So he really only ever knew me while I was grieving. It was mm-hmm. this kind of, I had three weeks of like Lisa then, and then it was just yeah. grieving Lisa. Lisa. Yeah. yeah. It was long distance, so I was kind of able to hide it a lot of it because yeah. I didn't necessarily, you know, it's a new relationship. Yeah. You don't want to rule. It's all mm. tough. Um, so we decided he's actually from Ireland, so he was living out in the Middle East. He, it made sense for him to come home rather mm. than me go out to Kuwait. And so we said, let's go to L.A. and just have some time in neutral ground. And to live. To live. So we okay. just went for three months. And I decided before that I was going to, to write mm. I just I needed I just felt and that I this bet. story was mm. so well first of all from the campaign side of things it was just yeah. it was just immense and it was the statistics that were coming in were just incredible and I really wanted to encapsulate everything you know just from that side but the story the what happened with the that lead up to when somebody is dying was just so immense and it was so impactful in my life and I really wanted to share it and I needed to kind of and I thought a book would be a good way to reach people mm-hmm. I think it's interesting you said you're a pride you have for your dad, but I can't imagine how proud he would be of you. That's tough. I mean, that must be... Yeah, but, bless him. But he really, be, you yeah. did something, you took something that happened and had the bravery and the strength and the, and the you know, to be able to take that grief and do something with it. And I know Venetia said we all do, but some people do do negative things, things that are very damaging. Mm-hmm. And we all do different things, but it does take a lot to kind of bring yourself to do something that's going to help other people. Well, you know, it's kind of weird. I never, ever wanted to write a book. Never was on my <laughs> radar, ever. Do you know who wanted to write a book, though? Your dad. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But weird. isn't that the... But see, that's... <laughs> you know, I was like, did I write it? Did he write it? it? You know, whose book wow. is it? Yeah. yeah. But no, it's, it's a... Well, he was using you to yeah. write his book. I do. You know? uh, yeah, I think And that, I think yeah. that... I, like, we've talked about mm. mediums and all this sort of stuff mm. before and channeling the other side. I think there is definitely a... For sure. There is definitely something that mm. when somebody you love passes away, I think there's unfinished business yeah. with them. And especially your dad was young... My husband was young. It's sort of there is something that they will find a way through you to get yeah. that thing, whatever it is. Yeah. And it might be something I don't know, like you know, throwing out something like a lamp broke that my husband hated quite by pure accident. <laughs> and I loved, and I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, that was his way. Gotcha. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's sort of. I think there is definitely I think it's their way of showing they're still knocking around and they still have unfinished business maybe that's my Mm -hmm. yeah it makes me feel better to believe that Um, but you say you wrote the book the book's published immense reaction how have other people helped you through reacting to your book it's quite a it's quite an like a weird thing to to receive such amazingly like heartfelt honest emails from people mm. about their pain and their their situation and I and I get it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I'm reading it and I'm like, I totally get. And some in are club. in the height of grief. You know, mm. they're in the height they've just lost their dad or whoever, you know, their mom mm. or whoever, their husband. And 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 it's it's just grief is grief, you know, and it's obviously just touching people's own stuff. And a couple of people said it's helped them actually a couple of people who had, had cancer mailed me to say that they had read it and it just it, they cried but it was their own stuff that just they hadn't quite moved mm. or shifted and that it's just sort of like it brought Helped it all them. back yeah. and they just cried and cried but they actually felt it had 
moved. Yeah. Mm. I think just reading somebody else's and knowing, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I think there's something in the identification of it. Oh, yeah. I you think know, that's then, why we wanted to do this, because we mm. feel like when any when you meet somebody else, it's almost like yeah. you can identify them. And every person we've had in this room, mm. there's yeah. this connection well, that's yeah, there yeah. through this. But, it's like but I feel like t- it's such yeah. a responsibility at the same time. It, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Huge, like for yeah. me, like I feel like I'm and I take time to write back to people and it can take yeah. a lot of energy. And uh, when it was all happening, the book launched and stuff. Do and you there feel was a so responsibility? Much in. Like a- yeah, maybe. It's maybe it's just my nature as well. Like a, a sense of just, uh, yeah, mm. like, you know, kind of people have taken the time to email me these, you know, this important stuff in their life. And I'm. Mm. want to take time to write back to them. For our listeners who haven't read the book and maybe haven't seen um, the ads because not everybody listening is in based in Ireland, just tell us about your dad. Because, I mean, he obviously was a really charismatic person. His face is in my memory so much. But tell us a little bit from your point of view and from being someone who yeah. probably knew him better than most and better than anyone. What what was he like? Do you know, I always find that a really funny question, you know, to, to answer yeah. because it's like, and even in the book, I try not to use words to describe him rather than show situations where yeah. he did things, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of. Um, but he, I guess like he was so many things, but if most people would uh say he was very full of life you know but he danced to his own tune so he wasn't a man for rules you know he'd be like right yes I'm gonna do my own thing you know and just kind of he had his own business I think he was always that sort of he never saw uh, obstacles he would just see that's where I want to go so I'm going there do you know what I mean (laughs) people are like no you can't do that you know and he's like no I can and he would just did he have that with with his illness did he approach his illness that way then yeah, probably. Yeah. Like the first thing, like he got lung cancer and he was like, this is crap. So this is avoidable also, probably. Mm. You know, if people didn't smoke, we can do something with this. You know, and his br- his brain just started yeah. to, like, what? what? Because, yeah. and he, he had the insight and to know that he was facing into chemo. He was facing into hospital appointments. He was facing into a really dark time, like a, a lot of mm. physical illness, which obviously leads to really, you know, it's hard to keep your mental mm. um, health good and ha- happy when you're physically so unwell. Yeah. So he's going to need something bigger. And this was a, this was also something that was going to bring a lot of positivity to his life yeah. and, what, and what was left. So he was like, right, let's do it. And we were like, oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> so <laughs> much meaning, no. though. Yeah. You know, but he didn't see the, yeah. the getting isn't there. That, it was just yeah. like... But isn't that a great sort of memory to have? Or, you know, isn't that such a great... Isn't that such yeah. a nice legacy for him to have left? Yeah. Because I think sometimes if somebody that's gone has been like that and you might be having a bad day or you might be going a bit like... Or it might be something simple, like totally unrelated to your emotions that you there's a hurdle and you're going oh I'm going to do it mm. that they've shown you they can do things yeah. so you can bloody well do it as well yeah. do you know what yeah. I mean yeah, it's very inspiring yeah. like I was really inspired to watch him mm. in his last 10 months um, how he handled himself in that situation facing death mm. you know mm. and towards as he got sicker I could see that's a lonely Still. journey yeah. it's a lonely journey and I it is. I was like ah oh, nobody can do mm. it with him you know and and sometimes it, I think the more we were like Right, no, you know what? You just need to, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you just yeah. need to do this and you just need to do this yeah. and then we'll do this and then oh, it'll be grand, you yeah. know? And he was even more lonely then yeah. because he just actually just needed us to be with him because yeah. we're all going to die. And his time mm. was then. And the more we were like, no, this is not happening, it's not happening, you know, kind of the more alone he was at times. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I could see, and I was like, I and need to shut up here and just really, be. Yeah. That's a difficult thing. 
to remember or yeah. think about afterwards yeah. is that that loneliness yeah. for that person, particularly if there is somebody who might be um, like your dad or whatever, might be get up and going, I'll be grand. Yeah. And, you know, that gallows humour type of yeah. attitude, yeah. you know, yeah. where yeah. they cover it up and you mm. sort of, yeah. I so think that's kind of, something we haven't talked about yet on the podcast mm. and something that's so, so, so true, the loneliness and people telling them what to do and talking at them because yeah. they're trying to fill the silence a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I remember my dad had a strict, we're not talking about this rule, even in a hospice and even in cancer wards. And, you know, he wasn't going to die. But that was his prerogative. That was it. Yeah. He wasn't going to die, though, you know, mm. end of story. Mm. So, like, we needed to just, so we Get were very, that. very careful with how we talked about it. We talked a lot about buying a house in Spain and we were all going to live there. You know, we kind of lived in a bit of an imaginary world. Mm. But then there were these little moments. I, I was with him in, um, in the hospice here in Dublin, uh, which is a really beautiful place. And I have a really strong memory of it. But mm. sitting next to him and he kind of grabbed my hand and he said, make sure there's no music at the funeral. Oh, wow. And uh, so it would the lonely. It was oh, so yeah. strong for him. But these little moments. And then he said to me, um, who's going to do the eulogy? And uh, I just remember saying, I, like, I'll, I'll do it, you know. <laughs> okay. And uh, and he kind of teared up. And then that was it. And it was like, oh, yeah. We were not allowed to bring it up yeah. again um, because of that. So the, the seriousness of the loneliness. He mm. felt it was so huge for him that he just couldn't share it with anybody else. Mm. Um, and like you said, Venetia, I think that's, that was his prerogative and that was the way yeah. that he, But everyone deals with it so differently. Mm. Uh, but I doubt very many people deal with it uh well, as in yeah. with this kind of really modern, open, like it, it must be hard for most people to face that on their own. Mm. You know? mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. That was the thing that probably struck me most. Yeah. The closer he got to death, mm. I could see his. He was more withdrawn. Yeah. You know, he was withdrawing from his friends. It's, it's kind of like his outer, you know, and it kind of mm. went like in, like yeah. you know, into like inner shell, yeah. and then it was. It was down to like, what do we even talk about here? Yeah. We have no words because you're dying. Like this is it. Like you know, especially when you kind of get to the one or two days before, and they're like, yeah. he's really going now, and you're like, is this even real? <laughs> yeah. Like, is this even happening? Mm. And you're there, and you know, and you're going in and be like, how are? No, no. I love you. No, no. it was not yeah. that. Um, are you no? But it's sort of like there's just no words. That's sort of limbo, surreal, almost waiting yeah it's like a waiting mm. for something yeah and just having no idea when it's going to happen how it's going to happen yeah yeah, yeah. that's scrambling for things to say that's because so, I my mother was religious and we started saying we started making that's up prayers better than we any. even know <laughs> we're making up we started we made them off them we uh, made them because yeah. we were in that. Did you run out of prayers and you, you needed say? something new? Yeah. I think that, no one has ever said that to me before, but I remember doing like you new just material. like, what words? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, yeah, it's so true. Lisa, it's been so great to have you here on the podcast. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's helped so many people already. Mm. Oh, God, I think I even so. hearing your voice um, and hearing you talk about it is going to help even more people. And I think also seeing you in a good place five years on is actually what will help people the most because I think that when somebody's new to it, yeah. that sort of makes people go, I will get there. Yeah. And yeah. that's, I think, it's one of the most important things totally for people great, to know. Actually. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks thank so you. much for having me in, guys. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.